Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. All right, good morning, church. How are you? We are welcoming our online campus, and we are welcoming now our Tenley Town campus. So, hey, uh, Dulles Campus, why don't we welcome everybody else to the party? And it is a party. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And uh, I believe church should be a big celebration of who God is. Even when God has challenged you to let some things go, it's really a celebration of separation, isn't it? Because those things didn't get us where we wanted to be anyway. So uh, we're so glad that you're uh, able to join with us online campus. Give yourself a screen name. Enter the chat. You're a vital part of what God is doing and saying. We're so glad that you're here. And Tenley Town, as always, you're beautiful. And uh, we're one church in multiple locations but we're excited to be here in church today. Everybody got your Bible? If you don't have your Bible, hopefully you got your device. And uh, you can open the Citizen Heights app and uh, open up to our notes. And you can track along with our discussion. Of course, the team will put some things on the big screen as we go. So we can all track along. How many want to go somewhere today? Right? We're going places in 2023. And we have... Um, uh, a very clear target for today We're going somewhere today because this is Heart for the House Sunday And uh, if you don't know what Heart for the House Sunday is It's, it's one time a year where we, ha we, we celebrate a Heart for the House offering That goes to fund the over and above things that we're believing God to do in the year And uh, a few weeks ago we talked about the vision We talked about where we're going We talked about some of the initiatives Some of the partners, some of the new partners Both for local ministry, national ministry, global ministry Then we talked about some of our targets for campus improvement And uh, man, I'm just excited to be part of a church that's moving forward Saying God give us your heart Give us your how and send us the bill. How many know vision takes finances and resources? And Heart for the House Sunday is a Sunday to say, yep, we're giving not equally, but we're giving sacrificially. And so if you're part of Citizen Heights, you, I want to invite you into that moment that we're going to share at the end of our time here to, together. Now, if you're maybe uh, newer to Citizen Heights and still getting your bearings and figure things out, you're invited into that moment, but there is no obligation. You, if you're still figuring out where you, where you stand on some of the things we've been discussing, you need that time, you take that time. But for the rest of us, we've got our marching orders, don't we, church? And so it's an exciting moment to share together. But let's go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're going to go there together today. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. And we've been talking, while you find your way there, we've been talking about the blessed life. And, uh, and I love the subtitle for the series, Learning to Let God Multiply. Learning to Let God Multiply. And uh, the promise of blessing and the promise of multiplication is for you. Can we make it personal this morning? God wants to bring blessing and multiplication to the things in your life. And typically once a year, you know, well, before I say that, I'll say uh, we've been talking about the blessed life in 2023 for a few weeks now. We've talked about um, learning to let God multiply through 
seven key habits. We'll call them spiritual disciplines. That when we learn these holy habits, we lean into some principles that, that bring blessing and multiplication. We've talked about reading the Bible. How many love reading the Bible, right? And so we got real strategic. And even in your passport, it talks about ways you can, you can just mark. Am I being strategic and reading? If you're like me, none of your priorities are real-life priorities until they're in your calendar. Right? When it's in your calendar or on your budget, it's part of your life. And so, because your budget is how you spend your, your finances, but your calendar is how you spend your time. But both reflect your heart and your priorities. So we've talked about reading the Bible. We talked about praying. We talked about fasting. And uh, the last two weeks, we've been talking about giving. And uh, we've turned our focus on on what I would say is more of the central theme. When the Bible talks about finances and giving and your treasures, it talks about it over 800 times. It's the second most talked about topic in the Bible. Now, it's not the second most talked about topic because, because it's a problem for God. God does not have a financial problem. He, he has not come here today to, because he has financial issues he needs us to solve. Aren't you glad? It's the second most talked about topic in Scripture because it's our problem. It holds our heart. And so we've been talking about this spiritual habit, the holy habit of giving. giving. And um, typically once a year I teach about giving uh, because I, I believe it just takes, it takes, in honesty, I should probably do it two or three times a year, but we, we do it one big, big session like this where we do three weeks of it. Um, because we need the Bible to realign how we steward our finances. Because sometimes we get out of alignment. You ever driving down the road and you just hear the thump, 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 thump? Or you feel like your car is just, if you take your hand off the steering wheel, it just slowly drifts to the left or it slowly drifts to the right. And you realize somehow through the progress of just putting miles and bumps and potholes, come on DMV, we, we drive around here and it's so, some of the holes that you, that you bottom out into and the speed bumps and through the progression of the bumps and the bruises, alignment can shift and it'll pull to one side and you feel yourself fighting something instead of just tracking. And I, and I believe like, I, I believe that the Bible helps us to realign our lives, specifically, uh, you know, whether we're talking about reading the Bible, praying, uh, fasting, some spiritual disciplines, attending, gathering, inviting, you know, all those things. But specifically giving is one that's easy to get out of alignment. Why? Because, the, because there's needs around us and there's shortages and there's, there's that moment of lack and in between where you're, you're really forced to decide, do I give because it's an obligation or do I give because it's a cheerful obsession, right? It's, a, it's like God loves a cheerful giver. And that's someone who's really embraced the principle of generosity and is obedient to some of these principles. But it's easy to get out of alignment. But I wonder if we realize the supernatural principles that go to work when we don't just hear about it, right? The Bible says, be hearers and doers. So hearing about giving for two or three weeks in the, in the month of January, I hope, I hope it helps you to realign, but I hope more than just realignment cerebrally or intellectually, it realigns you in the activity of how you budget and plan your finances. Because again, we're learning to lean into God's multiplication and blessing. And when we don't make this 
course correction and alignment, we live outside that blessing and multiplication. And we, we talked about it two weeks ago. Your 90% blessed by God is way better than your 100% cursed. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, about it. Are you, are you on board? Are you ready to track? We're a vocal church. We like to preach with me, right? It's, this is not a presentation. Hopefully this will be a, a partnership in an impartation that the Holy Spirit really gets us centered and realigned. Um, but anybody uh, download the ChatGPT uh, app yet? Yes, some of you are cheating already on your papers and, and your work product. Listen, this is AI, right? This new wave. Our kids won't won't even know how to form sentences. They will just go to ChatGPT and say, write me a resume for this bakery. And ChatGPT will write you a resume that you can apply to the bakery. And, and you can assign ChatGPT to follow up in sales better than your salespeople follow up sales contacts. People are already leveraging chat. If you don't know what it is, it's an AI platform that's been fed in thousands and thousands of resources and books. It has instant access to. So if you go to ChatGPT and say, write me an essay on the Trinity through the filter of Charles Finney and other well-known revivalists, it'll take about 13 seconds and spit out an essay through that filter. It's amazing. And so, of course... I consulted ChatGPT about generosity. And uh, we're going to put this on the screen. ChatGPT on generosity. This is what it said. Biblical generosity is the practice of selflessly giving of one time, energy, and resources to serve and bless others. Well done, ChatGPT. You know more about generosity than some of us church people do. But what I like, we'll leave this definition up there because I obviously, my query was uh, give me a rundown of a summary of generosity through a biblical filter. And this is what it, it gave me. Now, what I like about this and what I want you to see, it says biblical generosity is the what? Turn to your neighbor and tell them. What is it? Turn to your other neighbor and tell them. It's not a concept, it's not an idea, it's not a philosophy. It's not something that you, you know, say and talk about and treasure and, and honor. It's something that you live. Generosity is a lifestyle. Now, it can be seen in acts, right? It can be seen in, in, in moments, but it's really a heart attitude. And so even AI knows that this only works if you put it into practice, right? If it's just a theory, it's empty, it, it's, if it's known yet left undone, it's not a multiplication to your life. It's actually a subtraction to your life. And we want to let God multiply. Amen? So our giving puts powerful immutable principles into play that multiply and bless. So, so let's go back to our text, the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We, um, oh, we haven't gotten there yet, have we? Help us, Jesus. So let's read it. Learning to let God multiply. Let's jump in at verse 1. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, and there he made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. Then Mary, this is Lazarus' sister, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance 
of the oil. Listen, when a church when a when a church catches a generous heart and a generous spirit, there's a fragrance that you you catch, and people have already caught it. You don't know why you like Citizen Heights. It's because when you walked in the door, there was something where people were open to you. Their hearts were open. They were they were there to help you and and wanting to lift you up and and cared about you. It's a generous heart, and so even if you're not ready to step into generosity with us today, with heart for the house, you're already. You're already attracted to this and becoming this because the fragrance of generosity fills the house. Come on. And when people walk in, they don't know what they're smelling. Are, anybody here got a good sense of smell? Listen, I'm like, I'm a shark. One part per million, I can pick it up. I can smell it. I've had friends, Heather will tell you this is the truth. I've had friends who have invited me over and said, listen, I need you to come over. There's a leak somewhere in our basement. We can't tell where it's coming from. We need you to find it. I'm dead serious. And like a hound, I go in. Like, this is my spiritual gift, my olfactory. I come in, and I sniff around their basement. I'm like, it's right over here on this corner. Guys, if you are blessed with smell, it's it's not a blessing. It's It's... Because the world we live in is not built for people who have a heightened superpower of smell, right? But when you walk in, you're like, what is that smell? It's not, a ple- it's not the, the smell of withholding. It's not the smell of greed or selfishness. It's the smell of God's house, which is open-handed. It's the smell of God's house, w- which is open-hearted. And that generosity, man, it attracts people to the house. Let's keep reading verse 4. But one of his disciples... We won't name names, but the Bible does. Judas Iscariot says one of the disciples who would later betray him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Like Judas is like a real steward of God's resources, isn't he? He's indignant. He's upset. Uh, this extravagant thing. We could have done so much for God. Right? Now watch verse 6 very carefully this Judas said not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it see when we read today's text we see a contrast two hearts are displayed first we see the heart of selfishness this greed this it it, it was cloaked in some spirituality like like oh we could have done this for the poor but behind the scenes we know judas struggles with finances he struggles with money in fact he's been tempted and tested and has fallen he's he's stealing out of the box that's a heart of selfishness but then we see a heart of willingness contrasted that we see mary come in with this generous extravagance you know Judas says it's 300 denarii. That's the value that we could get for what she gave. We'll find out how extravagant that is. But, but notice what revealed each heart. What revealed his heart and what revealed her heart. Giving. Giving is what revealed their heart. In the same way, moments of giving really put on show where your heart's at. And I think that's why giving's a major topic in the Scripture because God goes, well, 
you're not self-aware enough to really know where your heart is because you think, you know, we judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And so we, we're always thinking pretty highly of ourselves. Well, I would do more. I'd give more. If I could, you know, we, we really aren't fully aware. And then a giving moment comes, and suddenly the contrast of generosity and selfishness become very real. Ooh, not, not as many amens, but that's okay. So here's a question. Do, ask yourself this. Do I give extravagantly and generously? Now, last week, two weeks ago, no, last week we talked about just giving obediently, right? We just talked about the tithe, 10%, giving obediently. You can review that. We'll review a few, of, a, a few ideas today. But, but really, I want to move to this idea of a progression, okay? Because when we give obediently, something happens and we start to give willingly. When you give obediently, something happens, and there's a progression and a journey of becoming an extravagant, generous giver. So let's, let's look at just three quick ideas. The first one is this. I'll, I'll just submit these ideas. You can write them down. You can evaluate them. But at the end of this experience, we're going to have an opportunity to put feet to our faith. Amen? And many of us have been praying for the last three or four weeks. My wife and I had a conversation, you know, just about what are we doing for heart and house? What are we giving? What are we pledging? And what are we giving today? And so many of us have already been through that exercise. At the end, we'll, we'll go ahead and take that step of faith. But some of us really need to grab hold of this and review this. So three ideas. Are you ready? You're going to help me move quickly through these. First one is this. My obedience breaks my selfishness. So this is kind of in way of review, but I, I have to connect these dots because I'm a deductive thinking kind of guy. Like, I like that the scripture is very, very premise, premise, conclusion, and it leads us by the hand, line upon line, and uh, premise by premise. And so th this idea that there's a progression and a journey to become a generous, extravagant giver. And the first step, if you will, I think is obedience, because my obedience breaks my selfishness. And all of us deal with selfishness. Listen, the enemy of the end game, which is generosity, the enemy of that is selfishness, right? And we're all born selfish. It's one of, you know, one of the first words we learn to say that we articulate with great diction and conviction is mine, right? We learn that word very early. If you have children, you want data, you want mama to come out first, but mine somehow gets in there. <laughs> and you hear mine right away. Even as an adult, I find myself saying the word too much. It's mine. You know, I have four sons. They always want something from me, which is okay, okay by me, right? Uh, but I still have to face it. You know, hey, Dad, can I have some of that money? But that's my money. You know, it's mine. <laughs> you got to deal with it, right? Uh, there was a time when they were all my size. They, they would, you know, right around 16, they would become my size, and then they'd grow beyond it. But when they hit my size, they'd be like, Dad, can we wear your clothes? And I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's, they're my clothes. And are you going to take care of them? Are you going to give them back? Are they going to be in better condition? And uh, that's not, Chat GPT told us, that's not the heart of generosity, right? And so... Um, can I use the car, Dad? Oh, your mom's car, yes. But mine? What about what about mine is mine? Um, you know, and then, of course, there's leftovers. Somebody comes home with leftovers, and then if I eat them, they're like, Dad, what'd you do? You ate my leftovers? Those were mine. They write their names on it. I'm like, who, who paid for the bill? They write their names. 
my youngest will write, do not touch, you know, because they know that uh, we, we all struggle with mind, don't we? We have this problem. It's, it's selfishness. That's what it is. We struggle. We hardly give. And when we do give, we think God owes us something. I'll say it again. We hardly give. And when we do give, we think God owes us something. And it's this selfish spirit, and God understands and wants us to get free from the siren song of selfishness that just begins to sing and say, you won't have enough if you give away. You, you're, you'll be without if you, if you sow into that. And it starts to sing the song of selfishness that lures our heart to its natural disposition, mine. But God does something and puts something in into into a motion that deals with selfishness it's called giving you know what's interesting to me is god uses the word mind when he refers to the tithe like almost like to you think you got your mind let me just tell you it's mine in haggai 2 he talks about the gold is mine the silver is mine we know the the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof he owns the cattle on a thousand hills he is the creator overseer redeemer and restorer so he's the owner of this thing it's his so malachi 3 god says hey it's mine the tithe is mine don't touch it he even says, you've gone away from my ordinances. That's the my that matters. My principles. And he says, you haven't kept them. And he says in Malachi 3.10, let the tithe come into the, the church that there may be food in my house. See, God isn't afraid to, to one-up your my. <laughs> and the progression of, is, is obedience to these things and it breaks my selfishness. That's like the first step, just breaking selfishness. And let me show you this, Malachi 3.10. Again, this is a bit of review, but we're connecting this progression. It says in verse 10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then look at the second part. It says, there it is, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. I love that. Test me? You won't find this anywhere else in the Bible. God invites you to test the principle of the tithe. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Sounds like blessing. And pour out so much blessing. Sounds like multiplication. That there will not be enough room to store it. So God says, it's my house. It's my principles. It's my ordinances. And it's my tithe. And it's my joy to bless you as you break. God gave us an instrumentality to get free from selfishness in giving. So I, if you have children, maybe, maybe they've gotten to this age. Maybe they haven't. You can look forward to this if they haven't yet. But uh, at some point, your children will come home um, with common core math. You'll give up instantly. Uh, but they'll get to a place in algebra where they, they need help. And so helping your child do algebra um, and and you see this equation, and it's got numbers, it's got letters, it's got, you know, A's plus B squared equals, and uh, parentheses. And if you don't know, you, you're, you might just jump in and start, you know, reducing the fractions or getting a whole number or doing the multiplication within the equation. Uh, but if you do it out of order, no matter how well you do all the individual steps, within the equation 
the ultimate answer that you get will be wrong if you don't do it in order. And so you say, well, what's the order? Left to right? Well, sometimes, most of the time, almost all the time, unless there's parentheses, right? The parentheses, it's, in math, it's called the order of operations, right? So if you see parentheses, you've got to do that first. You don't multiply this over here, add this over here, reduce this fraction over here. Some of you are getting a headache just thinking about algebra right now. But if you do all that stuff before you do what's in the parentheses, it doesn't matter if you do every part of that equation correct. The fact that you didn't do it in the proper order means you're getting a wrong answer. Do you hear me? In any math problem, you have to start by calculating the parentheses first. So when we talk about giving, what's in the parentheses? What needs to go first? What needs to happen first for everything else to, to equal out? What's the order in the pro of, of the progression, right? In giving to God, obedience to the tithe is in the parentheses. You hear what I'm saying? That means you can do a lot of the other things right, but if you don't have that right, you still haven't broken that spirit of selfishness, which is going restrict, to restrict all the other areas. So something that amazes me about John 12 that we just read is uh, Judas has the offering box. Now that's surprising, isn't it? Judas is carrying around the bag. Now Jesus is, is ministering and traveling, and we know there were offerings and support given because ministry, you can spell ministry M-O-N-E-Y sometimes, because to meet people's needs, there's a practical component. And so people are supporting the ministry of Jesus. He has a money box. And uh, what's shocking is who Jesus gave the money box to. There's 12 disciples. And it seems like 11 of them were much more trustworthy than Judas. We've read the whole story. We have the added benefit. But do you think Jesus was without that knowledge? Jesus knew G that Judas was a thief before Judas knew he was a thief. And yet he, prov he, and, and yet he gives him the money box. Why? Now, this is what I have to say. God doesn't tempt you. James tells us, the book of James says, God will not tempt you. He provides a way of escape for temptation. Temptation is to allure, to allure you to a failure. But God will test you. And he provides, he provides uh, it empowers you because he wants you to pass the test. And we are tested every week we get paid. Come on, every pay cycle, we get tested. Why? So we can pass the test. The Bible says, he who's faithful in, like, money and, like, the, the, the lower things, if you can be faithful in those things, you can be entrusted with true riches. When you can be faithful in, like, dollars and cents, God gives you authority in spiritual matters, in people's lives, and things that truly matter in eternity. Amen? Ooh, we're clapping in Dulles, Tenley Town. Listen, so we are tested every week we get paid. And so when Malachi says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, team, we can put this up, right? Whole nation, because you are robbing me. And then he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may fo be food in my house. We talked about this last week, but, but listen to the, this uh, conclusion. Verse 10, test me in this. See, God's not opposed to taking this test himself. 
He says, test me, because it's really, a, it, it's a two-way test. It's you test, passing the test by giving it, but then God passes the test by doing what it says here. It says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to sort. Guess what? God never fails this test. He never fails this test. He will never fail this test. That's why we always say, take the tithe test challenge. Do it. And if you think we're saying to, that in some selfish, uh, uh, like, like bad motive, you know, source, go to another church and tithe and watch God honor his word and then come back here because we loved you enough to tell you the truth. All right. But in churches every week, you know, we pass offering buckets, bags, boxes, and, and we have the opportunity to pass the simple test of obedience. So if, let me just ask you this. Is there anyone here that would take money out of the offering box as it went by? Anybody here? <laughs> I, I, somebody did raise their hand one time when I asked that question. I was like, they must not heard it. We'll just... Or, no, none of us, obviously, hopefully, none of us would, would do that. Well, here's the next question. Is there any one of us that would keep money in their account when it actually belongs to God? Wouldn't that be the same thing? It's the same thing to God. And it's a test we get to pass. And that obedience breaks our selfishness. Number two, my willingness releases an extravagance. This is where it gets good, the progression, right? It's obedience breaks selfishness. All of a sudden, it releases this willingness to an extravagance. And that's the starting point of where it's not just obedience to give the tithe. It's generosity to live a lifestyle of open-handedness. Amen? In our text, Mary gave 300 denarii. Uh, that's that's 300 denarius. That's that's a that's a coin. That's a monetary amount that was equal to one day's wage. One denarii, one day's wage. So when it says 300 denarii, that's that's literally. Uh, it, it was understood in their phraseology to to represent a, a uh, one year's salary. So here's Mary, and she brings one year's salary, buys the perfume, anoints Jesus, wipes his feet with her hair, and and so. So that's an extravagantly generous gift, isn't it? Come on, would that, uh, I mean, would a year's salary, whatever your salary is, uh, for you to give that in one lump sum, would that be extravagant? Come on, I think that's an ext extravagant, generous gift that really puts in real terms what Mary is doing here. Like, Mary is blowing, like, like the Bible is filled with generous, extravagant offerings. Whether it's David giving to the temple. Now, I've done the math on converting what he gave to build the temple to monetary terms. It was over $21 billion by today's money, what David built the temple with. Out of his personal funds. And you go, that's an extravagant gift. Jesus, God gave Jesus his son. That's an extravagant gift. You know, when the, when the widow gives two mites, we might not think of it as so, but Jesus thought that's an extravagant gift because it's not the amount, it's the willingness and generosity and sacrifice associated with it. So we see a lot of extravagant gifts in the Scripture. Um, but obedience leads us to that. It all starts with the heart. It's like the willingness of heart that we break with self, selfishness. Also, it starts giving us opportunities for extravagant gifts. So, Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So God is not impressed by the amount. He's looking for the heart, right? He wants your heart. So where do I start? Where, you know, here's an extravagant gift we can all start with. 2 Corinthians 
uh, chapter 8, verse 5, here's, here's the ultimate extravagant gift we start with. They first gave themselves to the Lord. See, that's where it begins. Because when there's obedience, you break selfishness. Now there's a willingness for things that are, you start trusting the deep things of your heart and the deep things of your life to the hands of the Lord. So we start by submitting spiritually, right? We start by trusting God. We're trusting God with our sin and our issues and our habits and our past and our future and our hang-ups and our cares. And so we're trusting God spiritually and we're trusting God mentally. But at some point, can I tell you, can I challenge you? At some point, this is where it gets real. Ultimately, it will include financially. It will because it's what has our heart. So please don't tell yourself God has your heart if he doesn't have your wallet. That's just the reality. It's the journey and the progression we are on. You said, Pastor, that offends me. I'm, I'm sorry. You'll thank me later. You'll thank me later. Trust me. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be there too. And when God gets your heart, he gets your treasure. And when he gets your treasure, he gets your trust. When he gets your trust, he gets the deep things of your life. If you're still struggling with this idea, you know, just, just remember this. I'm, I'm going to give you one last point, but let me, let me give this thought. And I'll, and I'll cue our team just in a minute. Thank you for being patient. Um, the Bible talks about extravagant offerings, but it really talks about three categories of giving. It talks about tithes, it talks about offerings, and it talks about extravagant offerings. And so when you give, the, the, it's going into one of those categories. Um, every gift in the Bible falls into one of those categories. Now, here's the thing that's crazy. If you look at that, tithes, offerings, extravagant offerings. Now, here's the reality, and this is sobering, but hopefully convicting in the, in the right way. Statistically, most Christians never even get to the first step. Statistically, most Christians never even get there. On average, Christians give 2.5% to the house of the Lord. On average, statistically. And, and you know how many Christians actually do hit the 10% and actually tithe? 5 to 7% actually tithe. Now, I thank God that Citizen Heights is above the norm. But we're only at 30%. That means... There's a lot of opportunity for God to grow us in generosity. But, but this is what I really want you to see from that. If that's true, 5 to 7% are, is what actually tithe statistically. That means 93 to 95% of all believers never get to the first level of what God says, this is the norm for how you deal with your finances. This is a budgetary assumption. The first, the best goes to God. Why? Is he short? Does God need it? No, you need it. You need to align your heart. You need to align your life. And here's the great news. If you get to that first step, this is what I found in my life, man. It was years ago. We're all on a journey, right? If you get to the first step of obedience and tithe, you get to the second and third step. Because willingness and extravagance and generosity get into your spirit because your heart is being dealt with. The willingness releases that. So that's what Heart for the House is all about. Amen? That's what Heart for the House is all about. And maybe we'll, uh, Troy, you can join me. And uh, our hosts, if there's anything you need to do, get ready. But um, let's transition right into a moment right now of giving. 
heart for the house. That's an offering that we do once a year, right? And, and over in Tenley Town, I remember our Tenley Town campus. It wasn't that long ago, about 15 years ago, when I walked onto that property, and they were doing drug deals in the parking lot. There was needles on the steps. Uh, it was abandoned. We hauled 22 commercial dumpsters of junk out of that building in Tenley Town. And there was a handful of people, less that are in the room in Dulles right now, probably half of what is in this room right now is as big as the church was. And Tenley Town, we bought a $5 million building with about 50 of us. A $5 million building, 100 steps from a metro stop next to American University in one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Northwest D.C. And about 50 of us. Why? Because there was a generous, open-handed spirit that said, we're going to fund the heart of God to plant a church in the nation's capital. And that's a place that represents God in our community. That's a place where people have gotten married and water baptized and recommitted their hearts to Jesus. And I mean, all my sons have been water baptized in that building. And you realize buildings and resources and offerings, they matter because they impact people. A place where your family and my family and I look at Tenley Town and I think of the business leaders and I think of the students that have come through. D David and Gaina Davila as American University students. And I, I remember seeing uh, all this parade of world-changing people coming through the church and being blessed by God and hands in worship. I remember uh, during a couple administrations. Here, I'm going to keep going for a minute, guys, but you're good to get in position. Thank you. Um, but check this out, like different administrations, leaders coming in, members of Congress. The Speaker of the House years ago came in, lifts his hand during a salvation call. And you go, it's, it's, it's not just my world, it's all the world. Like that's, what, that's the heart of generosity and legacy is not just this, not just mine, but God, the whole world. And then ambassadors come in, Supreme Court justices. Tenleytown, I, I just can't help but brag about you pop stars. Remember when Justin Bieber was sitting in the front row that one night, and I was like, God, only you. Like, some of you were there, and you're like, what? This is, yeah. Because politicians and pop stars alike, they need Jesus. And when, when God says all the world, he means all the world. And he's just waiting for someone who has a heart and a vision for legacy that's big enough to say, God, I'll just step into obedience, do what you ask me to do, and I'll leave the multiplying to the hands of a God who's really good at multiplying. A couple loaves and fish, sure, we can feed thousands of people. Why? Because God's not feeding the thousands from what we give. He's, he's feeding it from the obedience of our heart, and he can multiply nothing into everything. So think of what he can do with your little something. That's what Heart for the House is all about. It's a legacy. Amen? And I could talk about the Dulles campus the same way, right? In the last six weeks, over 150% growth. Because you're inviting people to church. You're bringing your friends. You're saying, hey, let's go to church. Well, I want to introduce you to some friends I met who actually like you and actually will hang out with you. 
and, and we'll eat some food together and we'll talk about our struggles and we'll be authentic and real about our about the issues but but we'll also be hopeful and faith-filled that God has got the answers and when you love people open-handed and, and open-hearted something amazing happens we're going places right not just your world and my world but all the world I love that more resources to local partners we want to see it those things are real they're meeting real needs helping real people more missions more buildings right more Jesus more people it's always going to be more because God's heart is that none would perish but all would come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus and so there's always if, it, if God is thinking of all we're always thinking of more and so we have the joy and Mary in our text today, she's rewarded and she's remembered. We're, we're talking about Mary's perfume thousands of years later. We're talking about an offering thousands of years later that reverberates and echoes through generations because someone was obedient and, and somebody was generous and they sowed an offering that impacted other people's lives. And, and it's not hard to see why. Why was Mary, like you got, why was Mary so generous? Well, we read two months before her brother, her brother Lazarus was dead in the tomb, and Jesus came in and said, come forth. And listen, some of us have had some dead marriages, and Jesus said, come forth. Some of us, our children have been in, in just, we're not sure, they're in the valley of the shadow, and God brings them out. Some of us have been in situations where the dreams were dead, and our hopes were dead, and, and really our spirit was dead. But let me remind you, we've all been raised to life. The Bible says we, uh, we were dead in our sin, but he made us alive. All of us are in the same place of gratitude to say, yeah, God always, and see, this is the thing. It's always remembered, and it's always rewarded. It's not why we do it, but it, it's just a reality of when we do it. It's always rewarded, and it's always remembered. Why? Because Hebrews 11 says that God is a rewarder. It's what he is. It's what he does. Come on, God can't lie to you because he is the truth. God can't hate you because he is love. And God cannot not reward you because he is the rewarder. So today is an opportunity for generosity. Amen? I want you just to take that Heart for the House card that they're probably on the seat with you. If you're on our online campus, we have a digital option for you. Hopefully you've been praying over this for the last few weeks. Maybe God's been speaking to you while we talk. And I hope you take a generous step today. But honestly, if, if you take this step without taking that first step of obedience, you know, uh, things will still be out of order for you. If you take this step of obedience, I, I want to invite you to, to join us in that. But take that first step. The tithe belongs to God. Take that first step. And maybe you want to take this step later or with us uh, in this moment because you're going to make that a two-step jump right now. Boom, boom. Uh, but start obedience and, and watch the willingness of generosity. People who catch us, they can't help but give stuff away. They get excited to give stuff away and see God work in it. So we're going to transition. Uh, take that card in your hand. Go ahead and prepare it. Uh, we've detailed our 2023 initiatives that we've been praying about. And it's, again, it's not equal giving, but it is equal sacrifice. It's planning. And generosity takes planning. Generosity takes planning. Proverbs tells us that generous people plan to do what is generous. And then they stand firm in their generosity. Listen, you're going to make a plan. You're going to make a pledge. You know, 
it might be X amount through 2023 and you're going to divide it up in monthly installments or maybe it works better for you for several lump sums. However it works for you, that's your business. But understand, generous people make a plan and then they stand firm in that plan. Because I guarantee you, once you make this pledge, there will be something that comes and clamors for you to be fearful or regret what you have done. It almost happens every year for Heather and I. Heather and I have prayed, and she says, let's do this amount. And I always say, let's double it. So we did that this week. And she's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's double it. And I guarantee there's going to be things that creep up on us and go, oh, no, what have you done? And what I'm going to say is I followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I was obedient to what he said to me. And God gives seed to the sower. So as long as I'm sowing, God will be providing seed. And it might not come until the 11th hour, but I'm going to stand firm in the plan that I made and watch God do it. And so as we do that, generosity, uh, we're believing for, for God to do great things. Amen? Well, go ahead and stand to your feet. Um, we do this a little bit differently on Heart for the House Day. Um, in the Bible, they brought their offerings to the altar. And we like to bring our Heart for the House Sunday, the offering. Because really, it's a big step of faith for some of us. And we're making a bold step of faith. So um, we've got tables in the back, tables in the front. Do we have tables in the back here? We've got tables in the back at the Tenley Town campus. We just have tables at the front here. We're going to sing a worship song. And remember what we said, they first gave themselves to the Lord. So I would encourage you this. If you filled out one of these, bring it, drop, drop it in, and let's worship like we need the provision of God. Amen? And let's, and let's also... Even if you're not sure where you are on, on this pledge, let's go ahead also and just just write, I, I'm not, you don't have to write anything on that card. Just bring yourself to the altar, drop in a card in a step of faith and say, you know, I want to grow in this. I'm not sure how to take my first steps, but just by offering yourself to the Lord, there's something powerful. Amen. Sorry, we all started on that a little bit, but we're going to pray for this offering. Father, we thank you for your abundance. We thank you, Father, that you're going to give courage to step into a place of obedience that leads to willingness, that leads to generous lives, that, that live open-handed to you. Father, we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.